This is Cultivate a Good Life, episode 137, Finding Hope During Hardship with Wendy Howe. I am Becky Higgins, and with me is my friend and co-host, Becky Proudfit, <laughs> and I'm here, also true. my friend and my other stand-in co-host, Wendy Howe. Wendy, Hello, everyone. Wendy. Do you like being called a co-host? Sure. I've always dreamed of that. What else you should we have? call her? Um, oh, I, you know I want to be a DJ, like a morning show. Does everyone think DJ Howe in the house? <laughs> everyone needs to know that, that Wendy really would like to be a DJ and we have tried to talk her out of that and we've said maybe it's not a DJ that you want to be maybe you just need to have a podcast yeah a DJ is something altogether different now days it is it's a lot of mixing and spinning the tracks (laughs) like that exactly you gotta wear the fancy sunglasses be trendy basically you're the party master if you're the DJ yeah. Well, you are the party master. <laughs> I think that fits, when I was actually thinking that's like the most accurate description of you. I'm the person that sneaks out of a party so I don't have to say goodbye. I just leave early. Oh, you I re- do? Uh-huh. I relate to that. I don't like that feeling of like mm-hmm. making a big deal about, I just want to disappear yeah. and then be like, where'd Wendy go? So if you guys ever move and I'm like unavailable the day you leave, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I've done that before. Like, okay. To avoid the goodbye. Oh, really? But you, I thought you meant the packing so, and the moving. Becky, yeah, that, that too. too. Don't Becky's more Just about kidding. skipping out on the goodbye, and Wendy's more about, like, let's not make a big deal out of it. Mm-hmm. Let's just so keep it cuts. short and sweet. Don't give them too much of me because mm-hmm. they might not want more later. <laughs> I don't know how that could be possible. <laughs> you guys are I just to don't get... want the awkward moment of the goodbye and, like, yeah. all the promises. I just want them to remember us. Wow, I'm wondering what kind of goodbyes you've had that have been loaded and laced with promises. Lots. Wow. Promises. I tell goodbye to a lot of people. Oh. I don't really actually. (laughs) Well, Wendy is with us uh, for very good reason, so that we can talk. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We're going to talk about all the things, but before we get into that, Wendy... Would you like to share an iTunes review? Sure. Okay. I haven't read this yet. Yeah. Let's see. What'd you find? I discovered this podcast not too long ago, and it's safe to say that I am obsessed. I thought she was going to say upset. (laughs) (laughs) Whether I'm at the gym, driving, or going for a walk, it's always going. What I love about this podcast is that it motivates me to act upon what I learn. Oh, good. I end each podcast with a desire to become and do better. It leaves me uplifted and full of hope, which is a gem in this world. Oh, I love it. Wow. No pressure. <laughs> Hope is my favorite. I am looking at you for validation that you agree with every word that she said. For sure. <laughs> I need to know that when you listen to every approved. episode. I've listened to, I have listened to episode seven four times. <laughs> and why? Tell them why you've yes, listened why to episode listened seven. To that one so much. Because that was my episode. <laughs> that was the episode where we kind of, it's the first episode we've had Wendy on, and she told us all about her journey with adoption, which if you haven't listened, head back to episode seven to get that context. Mm -hmm. And today, Wendy is going to tell us another story that's really... Another piece of the story. It's a prequel. Mm -hmm. It's a Mm -hmm. really impactful story. So Mm -hmm. before we dive in, let's hear a quick word from this week's sponsor. I'm all for those days when I just don't want to take even two seconds longer to get ready. But for the most part, it feels so worth it to do my six-minute everyday makeup routine. And you know why? There is just something about putting yourself together that just makes us feel like our superpowers are charged. Uh, Yeah, I totally agree with that. This is very much a personal empowerment and self-confidence thing. And believe you me, not at all a thing about impressing others. And at the same time, both of us regularly get messages about our makeup on social media. So, you know... That's kind of fun. Shine Cosmetics continues to be one of our favorite brands ever. They name all of their products after power words, which we just love. More importantly, the makeup ingredients are impressive, you guys. Gluten-free, cruelty-free, hypoallergenic, and paraben-free. It is super hard to pick our favorite products, but we do highly recommend the Fiber Brow BB Cream and their Buttery Soft and Gorgeous Lip Gloss. 
their concealer, you guys. It is seriously the best we have ever used. Visit shinecosmetics.com and enter code Becky at checkout to save at least 10% anytime and all the time. I'm so excited to dive in because we have slowly introduced the audience to the great wonderfulness that is Wendy Howe. Slowly. The customer service (laughs) master of the BH empire. Give a little context to that. So Wendy has been a part of the BH family for over six years. Six. Okay. Wow, man. It's Mm -hmm. like you've basically raised your babies and had grandbabies during that time. Mm -hmm. Almost like, yes. Yeah. Which Mm -hmm. is amazing. So Wendy's been with us for that long and her main role has been customer support. Mm -hmm. She has literally supported and helped many, many of our customers in lots of different ways. And so I hope, I hope as you know her, that it'll be apparent how kind you should be to her when, (laughs) when addressing customer support. Wendy seriously is the best of the best of the best. And she is, is like bends over backwards to make sure that everyone has all the questions answered. Mm -hmm. I can say that it is a joy for me to work with the people and hopefully make them happy. Well, you know why? Because you're you're helping them. Literally, they their problems get solved. So what what better satisfaction can come from work when you're like, oh, I I'm she's making a fixer, a and it's me. Mm-hmm. It's Becky mm-hmm. and me as far as anything that you want to know about the app or anything mm-hmm. going on in the company. Yeah, we're pretty small around here. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Really? When I talk to people on the phone, they always think there's a like a. Ginormous, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll Behind. always say my team is in support. My team is in place to support you. And I, I will always say my team because if I keep saying Wendy and then Wendy up and like quits tomorrow, then I have to change my message. <laughs> my team. No. Or like with me, you can only hire people with that same name. No, Hence, that's true. I can only be a Becky. Mm-hmm. Your position can only be done by a Wendy. This is true. It'll just be a new word. Mm-hmm. altogether. No, yeah. you're just never going to leave. <laughs> I'll chain you to the desk. So <laughs> here's our challenge. The three of us could talk about any mm, single well, thing let, in the whole Becky world. and I could talk about 700 things on any given day. Yeah. Wendy and I could talk about 700 things on any given day. Becky and Wendy could talk. So we, um, together, the three of us could talk about 850 things. Mm-hmm. And today we're going to try to rein it in and we're going to try to, um, not talk about all the different things, but I make no apologies for tangents. I'm just going to say it. (laughs) You know what? If you're around this podcast long enough, I'm going to understand that you like the tangent. Otherwise, you would have abandoned ship long ago. If you could be a fly on the wall on the way we used to have meetings, like on a regular, like weekly basis, our team meetings, let's, let me put it this way. We used to start our meetings with a YouTube video. (laughs) Yeah. We did. Remember Mm -hmm. that? Mm -hmm. We did just to get, and then we did like family sharing. Like everybody went around and said what they get it out right now. Mm -hmm. Yep. We just shared. And then 27 hours later, we left the table. It was great. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It's true though. But that's the blessing (laughs) of working with women who you truly love and who you truly admire. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? What a blessing to blessing be in this work. Blessing and a curse. Blessing and a curse. It's so true. We always have a good time. And when Wendy's around, it is no doubt always a good time. And today is going to be no different. So, You're a good time, girl. So here we are. with. Um, we want to continue on and talking about something that we know as a part of your story, as a part mm-hmm. of your life. But I don't know that you've shared much about this publicly like Mm -hmm. your people know like your friends and family of course if you know Wendy you kind of know some of this but um it's a message that you have felt really impressed to share more openly and I have a feeling that it's going to reach people in a way that they may not be expecting right right so anyone listening when you when you listen to what Wendy's going to share keep that open heart and open mind that we invite you to have every time you listen to the podcast but you never know how these things can make an impact on your life. And I've certainly been impacted by your sharing of this part of your story. And I'm really looking forward to you sharing it with everyone else. So context, you have it now, guys. She's a customer service. She's a wife, a mom, a grandma. Um, she is amazing in all the ways. She always smells good. Her hair always <laughs> looks immaculate. But mm-hmm. let's get to the heart of the heart, right? You have had a life-changing, life-altering experience pretty young in life. Right. 
Why don't you share a little bit about that and how it's made an impact on you? Yes. My desire to share is really because as I've grown up, you know, and as an adult and I look at who I am, I, I can't open my mouth without talking about God mm-hmm. in my life. Like that's who I am. I'm not trying to sell anything. I, I, I'm not trying to convince anyone. It is just, it's what comes out of me. I can't help it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I get a little self-conscious about it because I know I might sound like a crazy person sometimes, mm. but you don't sound like a crazy person. It's very sincere. So. Yeah. I love that about you. And I think that when people understand the context of your story and kind of how you came to that knowledge, they're, they're going to understand as we all do that it, this is not like a trite, like, like this is a very real, tangible, impactful experience that kind of led you to where you are at today, to who you are today, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so take us back to the beginning. Where, okay. where did this all start? So it was 1979, and I was seven years old. And I have a little sister. Her name is Stephanie that's 18 months younger than me, so we're really, really close. And it was back when my mom, back in those days that even though we weren't twins, everybody thought we were because we dressed exactly the same. Mm-hmm. And our hair was always the same. I yeah. mean, we were very, very close. And um, my dad was uh, like a boss over a construction company. And we were going to go on a family vacation, but we had to take his company, his brand new company pickup truck, um, to a job site on the way to see my grandparents. And it was a horse race. My grandparents were, they trained racehorses for a living. And we were going to go to this horse race together. And so we uh, got in the, the truck and we headed up the road. And back then, this is on the way to Snowflake, Arizona, was where we were going first to Snowflake drop off. Snowflake is in the mountains and mm-hmm. kind of a really small town. Yeah. Very small town, a couple hours outside the valley of Phoenix. And it, at the time was a two-lane highway. So we're driving. I don't, I, I don't remember how close we were, probably a little over an hour up the road. It's the speed limit's 55 miles an hour, and it's kind of windy. On one side, there's a drop-off. On the other side, it's kind of the face of the mountain where you, it's like a dirt shoulder that mm-hmm. goes up the mountain. And we had just come around a corner, and somebody else um, coming head-on had, was looking over his shoulder at his children in the back and ran into us head-on. Just, we were both going 60 miles an hour, probably. Mm-hmm. And I remember that impact. I remember um, the feeling of the vibration of the car and spinning and looking out the window. And 1979, we didn't have our seatbelts on. Mm-hmm. There's four of us in one seat, you know, across. My mom's at one window. My dad's driving. I'm laying on my mom's lap. My little sister's head is on my dad's because we're sleeping and, but I remember that. I remember the impact. And I, I remember getting um, stopped, like it was over. And because we had just come around a bend, another car came. And we were in the middle of the road at mm. this point, And we got hit again. And we got hit. It was on my mom's side. And um, I don't remember anything else until I woke up. And when I woke up... I was shoved back underneath the seat, and which saved my life. I was on the floor under the seat. My dad, um, when he came to or when he was getting out of the truck or trying to get out of the truck, um, he had broken his arm, had a compound fracture because he had tried to turn the steering wheel. My dad's a really big guy. Mm-hmm. He had played semi-pro football, and so he was just a really strong man. And he had bent that metal steering wheel like completely bent it trying to turn it Mm -hmm. out of the way of the car and Mm -hmm. um he had he couldn't find me and my little sister was nowhere to be found either the half the windshield was gone and 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 my mom was there and he could tell that she was gone and he uh needed to get out so he could try to help her get around to her side and and um he got out of the car. I think he had to kick the rest of the windshield out and because um, the doors were both jammed, both doors. And the, the truck is on fire. It's burning. And um, 
he went over, he helped the people in the car that hit us the second time. He, he got um, somebody out of that truck, and they were carrying propane. Mm. And um, there was somebody that had passed away in their car. And um, so my dad thought we were all gone. He couldn't get to my mom. Um, the, it was on fire, and there was a truck against her door, and he thought she was gone anyway. And he thought we had gone through the windshield, me and my little sister. And so he just went and laid on the road. Now, you have to remember, this was a two-lane highway, and there's no cell phones or anything. Right. So everybody's just backed up for miles by this Mm -hmm. time. And um, there's just a space on the road, and he just lays down. And they're trying to work on him. He has both of his lungs are punctured. All of his ribs are broken. Mm -hmm. They're just literally floating in his body. And he has, uh, he's bleeding from the inside out, through his nose, his ears, his mouth, he's bleeding. And he knows he's dying. Mm-hmm. And so he's, he just told the people, go help somebody else. My family's gone. Mm-hmm. Let me go. Mm-hmm. And so he lays down and closes his eyes. And, um, and that's when he saw in his mind, whenever, wherever he went, he saw my mom and my little sister and they were holding hands. And my little sister said, we need to wait for daddy. And my mom said, no, he's going to stay and take care of Wendy. And that is how he knew that I was still alive. And he said he came to, and he was, then he was grabbing for people to help him. They were still working on him and over him. And he grabbed somebody and said, you got to find my daughter. You got to find her and let her know that it's going to be okay and give her a blessing and say a prayer with her and help Mm -hmm. her feel good. And, um, and anyway, what's so crazy is somebody that we used to know that we went to church with that had just moved into a different ward. And I think he had just become a leader of that congregation, um, walked up and said, Bob, is that you? And, and it was this man, he, he gave my dad a blessing, which is a prayer, Mm-hmm. of healing and comfort. And then my dad said, go find Wendy and stay with her. And so there were three cars involved in this accident. And um, I was still in the truck about that time. So when he came to, he said that he could hear me screaming. Mm-hmm. And I, when I woke up, I all I could see was fire. And you know when you're close to a fire, how you can just feel mm-hmm. it oh, yeah. on you. And I just remember thinking I had a brand new outfit on and it was getting ruined, mm-hmm. and that my hair was burning, and mm-hmm. I had long hair, and I looked at my mom, and I could tell something was really wrong with her, and I was on her lap and trying to get her to wake up, and and then I just started screaming for someone to come and get me, and I remember looking out the window and seeing a lot of people looking at me and thinking, they're, they're not going to get me. Like, I just remember thinking that moment mm-hmm. lasted forever. Yeah. And screaming, and because there's fire right at where the window where I'm screaming out of, I mean, I can't blame, I mean, I don't know. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, these two guys, and I remember thinking they were hippies because they had long hair, and and, um, they came and got me, two men, and pulled me out of the fire and put me in somebody's truck and laid me down. And to this day, I don't know who they were. I've tried to find them. I have friends that live in that part of the country over there and it's a small town and I have, I still don't know who that was. Mm. Um, but they saved my life. And, um, anyway, so we ended up at the hospital and back then, you know, my dad was helicoptered out and I had to wait for the ambulance and I rode with another kid that was in the second car that hit us. The people that were in the first car, um, and that had inadvertently caused the accident, I think we're all pretty much okay. And the us and the car that hit us the second time lost people. My mom and my sister were both gone. They both were killed, and, and a woman in the other car was killed. And her grandson and I rode together in the ambulance to the hospital. Mm-hmm. And I remember I'd never seen anybody with more freckles than him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Isn't it funny, like, the little details mm-hmm. you remember out of, like, this horrific situation? Like, it's just funny, the th- like, the little tidbits your brain hangs on to. Mm-hmm. I imagine you've had contact with him since. I haven't. None. 
And he had just gotten home from serving a, a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. He had oh, just wow. gotten home. The freckled boy? Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought he was like a boy boy. He was and his, no, he was a man. teenager. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was very embarrassed because I had to pee really bad. Aww. And they kept just saying, and I had a broken pelvis mm-hmm. and I was burned and they kept saying, just pee. Just go ahead. I'm like, I am seven years old and I have a new outfit on and there's a teenage boy right there because I have always just yeah. noticed mm-hmm. boys. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you have. And cared what they thought. Yeah. <laughs> so I did not, I held my pee until oh. they were trying to put a catheter in me and then I peed all over the nurses. Yeah. Right? Oh. That was very traumatic. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But, um, anyway, we ended up in this hospital and all, and the critical patients went all over the valley and I remember just being afraid that my I didn't have I didn't know where my dad was, and um, I remember hearing him, just I could hear him like moaning. Mm. So um, in the hospital. In the and this is in the ER, okay. I think, or trauma oh. center. Where I don't think they had trauma centers back then. Yeah. And so I could hear him, and I just remember saying, "Daddy," like yelling out to him, and he said, "Wendy, it's going to be okay. I'm here. It's going to be okay." Mm-hmm. And I, of course, immediately said, where's mom and Steph? And he said, they're with Heavenly Father. And it's going to be okay. And so that was the first time he told me that was, I, I believe, in the, the very first hours after the accident. And, um, and then he fought with the doctors. His, to hear him tell the story, he has a lot more details than I do because mm-hmm. he was an adult. And, right. But um, he ended up in my room. They did not want to put him in my room at the hospital because they thought he was going to die. Mm-hmm. And they didn't want to put me through that. But my dad made them put me in the same room with him. And mm-hmm. so we were in the hospital for quite a while. We, a um, couple weeks, I was in the hospital. My, all my organs quit working from shock and... Mm-hmm. right. And all of that. And I was in traction and I had these burns on, on my back and my shoulder. And, and, um, my dad told me several times while we were there, he reminded me that we were an eternal family, that we had been sealed in the temple and it had only been a couple years before that. And so I was old enough to remember that, that we could be a forever family, that I could see my mom and sister again, that we just, we know that heavenly father is our father that we're his children and he loves us and we'll all be together again. And just knowing that and hearing that constantly from my dad Mm -hmm. was, and I had, I made him tell me over and over again. Mm -hmm. I kept asking him. I knew that they were gone, Mm -hmm. but I kept asking him anyway. And that changed me. That changed me. And he told me that if I ever miss them. And you have to think about this. I, I thought about this a lot as I became a mother. And then I had a daughter that was seven years old and she actually has a little sister that's named Stephanie that I named after my daughter or my sister. And, um, I remember thinking what she must be thinking and how this must have would impact her if she went through what I went through. And, and that was a really difficult part of my, um, process of of working through what happened in 1979 was being a mother myself and realizing what my mom had left behind. And, Mm -hmm. and so anyway, but knowing that I could talk to God whenever I wanted to, my dad would just say, if you want to talk to mom and Stephanie, then just talk to your heavenly father and tell him and they'll be there or he'll let them know. Like, yeah. And so that's what I did. That's, what I did literally for the rest of my life, I would talk to them. And I'm sure that I might, that you would probably see me talking to them. Mm-hmm. I, I would be afraid. I had nightmares. I had anxiety. I didn't know what it was, yeah. but I had panic attacks. Yeah. And I thought, I really thought I was going crazy. As a child. Yes. I thought that if somebody knew that these things were happening to me, that they would put me away mm, <laughs> or like I'd yeah. have to go to the nut farm. Like yeah. I heard about, you know? And yeah. So anyway, that changed my life. That changed the way that I talked to my father in heaven and it changed my perspective on life and on hardship. And the older I've gotten and the more, um, hardship that I've gone through and watched my dad go through and people that I love, the more I realize that that is essentially why we are here. 
yeah. is to go through the hard stuff. Because mm-hmm. I believe that we lived with God before we came here and that it wasn't a difficult time living in God with God. Mm-hmm. But here, we're being tested. We're going through things and we're learning how to be more like Him and to rely on Him. And it helps us to... Um, it just makes my life so happy. I know it sounds crazy, but right. because of that tragedy and because of that loss and that pain, that still is, is I feel, um, I'm a different person. I think that's the incredible thing about God and the incredible thing about struggle because you could just as easy, you know, have let this experience totally create you being a hardened individual or like, let's be honest, there's nothing fair about a seven-year-old losing their mom and losing their sister. Like that's not fair. Right. Right. And God doesn't create this struggle. He doesn't cause that to happen. Right. Mm -hmm. But what I think is the miracle of your story and of struggle in general is how God can take this like out of control circumstance that is tragedy and horror and pain and he can create meaning inside of it. So how did, did this experience kind of foundationally set the stage for um, for you for the rest of your life and who you are today? I know you mentioned one was that you were able at a very young age to like know of the reality of God and how like you would pour your heart out in order to stay connected. So what are some other ways that you've seen this kind of play into who you are today? Like, you know, looking back now on the other side, like what, what meaning have you found inside of it? Well, going back to pouring my heart out to God in those times when I was scared or having a, a, an anxiety attack or whatever it was, I had immediate relief. Mm. I felt him. I felt my mom and my sister close to me. I felt those things. And I really believed my whole life until I got a little bit like into my late teens that that's just how it was for everyone. Yeah. I mean, I, I knew God knew me and I, I, there's no question. I, it's not that I believe it as I know it. I think that is what you just said. I kind of want to highlight that is it takes it from a belief to a knowing. And the thing is, is without the tragedy, without the hardship, without the opposition, our belief can never, can never progress to a knowledge, Agreed. right? Yeah. Like sometimes within that tragedy, you actually find that knowledge with my cancer story that, you know, the second I had the blessing after I was diagnosed and I was able to like wrap my head around, okay, if I die, that is still God's plan for me. Mm-hmm. And it's the plan for my family and the, my husband and my children and all these things that seemed so ima- unimaginable to me before that. In that moment, like it took that belief of like, oh, I hope that I would have enough faith. I hope that I would have enough strength to like stay centered throughout the trauma but then you have this opportunity to actually exercise your faith, right? To exercise mm-hmm. your belief. And so it takes it to that really precious knowledge because that knowledge is something that does not leave you, right? Like right. it's not like you have the knowledge and then it leaves. Like you have such a knowledge about the reality of God because of what you were forced to endure. Yes. And, and my life, I, I, there's so much that I don't remember after those years. Mm-hmm. I don't remember a lot before those years either anymore. I, I don't know. I think it was just my way of protecting myself. Yeah, I'm sure. I, I have a horrible memory of that time, but I do remember some things that were p- pivotal. And, and that one where I got to where I was actually relying on God to get through every day mm-hmm. at, at seven years old, right. eight years old, I, I, when I had to go back to school. With a broken pelvis, you don't have a cast. Mm-hmm. You, I was in a wheelchair at first, but you look fine. And I had to go back to school, and people thought I was a faker. Mm-hmm. you know. And I had to... My sister wasn't there, and I didn't have a mom to go home to after. I mean, I had loving people. My dad's mom and dad, were. they worked at Turf Paradise every day, mm-hmm. which is a racetrack, and... They uh, moved in, and and then I had a cousin, Sherry, who was 17 at the time and in high school, who also came and made sure that my hair was cute and mm-hmm. took care of me. But there's just it's different than your mom, yeah, and your little sister who was your best. Mm-hmm. You didn't realize how she was your best friend until she's gone. But I had to like figure out how to stand up to bullying and um, be 
And then when my dad remarried um, pretty quickly after the, the car accident, and and my my new mom Roxanne had two little kids from a previous marriage. They were younger than me, um, a little sister and little brother. And I was super excited to have siblings again and and a new mom. And but the reality of that is really hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the transition. Anyone would tell you that. Yes. Yeah. Anyone bringing their families together. Really hard for me as a little kid, but for. Bob and Roxanne, my dad and my mom, mm-hmm. to come together and my mom to be in this community of women who love my mom. Mm-hmm. And so we moved we moved away. We moved to southern Utah. My dad was coaching football there and building custom homes and and just to give us, our family, a new fresh start. And which, your own identity as a right. new fresh mm-hmm. family. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so, but that was really hard. Mm-hmm. And looking back now, I see all of it and how how I would never, and I remember being a teenager thinking I'd never want to be in my mom Roxanne's place Mm. because of how I, how hard it was for me to love her Mm -hmm. fully. Like I just didn't want to. Mm -hmm. I, I, and then I realized later I was worried that if I did, then she would be gone. Mm. And, but it took me a long time to figure that out. And she's amazing. She's she my best really friend is. now. I was <laughs> going to say, we're all, you know, everyone sitting at this table here, the three of us, we all know Bob and we all know Roxanne and they are two of the most incredible human mm-hmm. beings mm-hmm. in the world. And so I love hearing this story about Roxanne kind of coming into the family and the transition that that was, because it just makes me love her all the more. And love your family all the more yeah. and and it makes me think of every family that has had to come together let alone those with deep tragedy like this um any blended family comes from something right mm-hmm. like there's yeah. a lot Some of sort history of with every story mm-hmm. um but th- it's not usually the result of um something catastrophic like this with actual death and and losing family members and um and that is um it's noteworthy and it's really it is it's almost a almost a little more sacred, Mm -hmm. um, for those involved. And especially because we've known all of you just in the recent years, you know, and I think back to what that would have looked like coming together in the beginning and how, how difficult for everybody. And Mm -hmm. I was thinking about your dad and everything that you were going through and the help that you needed, but you didn't have your mom and you didn't have your sister. Mm-hmm. And then I'm thinking, and your dad was also himself, he was healing, yeah. but yeah. he was also recovering. And even though he was marrying again, he was still, I mean, no. that's a whole process. I mean, he, I, I, it's taken him, he's still recovering, I think. Sure. I mean, I, he, will, he will tell you he's worked through it and Roxanne has helped him so much in that. Mm-hmm. But I remember before Roxanne came, remember my dad, I hearing him cry, hearing him. And this is my dad, like he's Superman. Right. And remembering him falling asleep on the bed on his knees because he'd been praying, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and, um, but he was such a good example to me because he could have said, you know what? I have lived a good life. I've tried to do everything that God wanted me to do. Forget this. And, and not shown up. And he taught me how to have faith and how to have hope. And, and he's, he's him and Roxanne, like you were saying about being sacred, Mm -hmm. that relationship, it is, their story is very sacred and they believe that God brought them together and that my mom was a part of that union, that she, her blessing was on that union. And I feel that, I feel that. And it's uh, made me the mom that I am today, which is a lot neurotic, probably. <laughs> <laughs> but I just family and like, I don't know. You know, as long as I've known you, I've always known that your faith is such a huge piece of who you are, how you show up in your life, um, everything that you're about. And I would say that your, your faith in God and a loving father in heaven that knows you, that has clearly comforted you all those years, I, I would consider that knowledge that you have and that faith that you have as a massive blessing, right? Like yes. a, a huge blessing. Definitely. And I want to ask your thoughts about what you would say to someone who doesn't have that knowledge, who doesn't have that kind of faith. 
Um, or who are maybe even in the, such the thick of like the opposition, the trial, the struggle that they yes. haven't yet seen. Yes. Like we talk about, you know, tragedy being a, a cave. It feels like a cave and really you get to a point and it's a tunnel. Like what is that moment? Like what would you say to someone who's stuck in the cave? Talk to him. Just start talking. You don't even have to kneel up. You don't have to go into a closet. You can do it in your car. You can do it in the moment. Talk to him. Just talk to him. Find out if he's real. Ask him how he feels about you. Mm. He will tell you. He's waiting. I get to teach the seniors seminary. What seminary? Early. Oh, what seminary? Well, <laughs> it's a it's Bible study, knows, essentially. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're talking about Jesus every mm-hmm. single day. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. And <laughs> our kids are like, I have to brag on our kids for a minute because sometimes this class will be in the middle of the day. The area that we live... Um, the kids get up. I kid you not. My son gets up at 5.15 every morning mm-hmm. to get to seminary mm-hmm. by 5.50. And we have such dedicated teachers. Mm-hmm. And I love that our kids have had the opportunity to sacrifice to go to early morning seminary because I feel like it's almost that much more like they're invested in it that much more. They are. They're making a sacrifice. And a, it's hard. Like it's it a really hard, hard commitment mm-hmm. to keep. And so every day when I see my son get up to go, like it chokes me up because I thought, man, would I have had the faith as a teenager <laughs> to go to it's no early joke. morning yeah. seminary? It's hard. It's mm-hmm. just cool. It's really, it's really cool. It's hard and it's cool. It's all of that. And, and it certainly helps to build their strength, no doubt. So with that, what you're saying is just talk to him. Mm-hmm. Just open your mouth. Do it in your mind. Say it out loud. Ask him how he feels about you. Yeah. Ask him if he knows you. Mm-hmm. I just go to him about everything. I teach every single day that your relationship with your Father in Heaven should be your most important and sacred relationship over any other relationship in your life because he will be the one that is a constant. And if you put him in the middle of your other relationships, they will be blessed. And it's helped me get through all of the other things. Mm knowing this right because it's not like this happened and then you've like checked your box for opposition in your life and move forward with just believe me i thought that right? i had done that and i <laughs> was hoping that, that i had done that yeah that's Man. not one true. of the things with prayer i always am telling my kids is i'm like you know what when i say pour your heart out i'm saying like if you're angry like tell god you're angry mm-hmm. tell tell god like i am feeling really ticked off right now. I'm feeling like you've abandoned whatever your emotion is. I think sometimes we shy away from the honest communication, perceiving that it might be disrespectful. But I, I mean, as a parent, there's nothing more. They can figure that out when they get older. Right? Mm-hmm. Then what I want is for my kids to come to me, come to me with all the things, the good mm-hmm. things, the bad things, mm-hmm. the boring things, all the, all things. the yeah. things. And so I try to remember that when I'm praying, like I don't just have to be like, God, I believe, like, help me. Like, I, if I, whatever I'm feeling, whatever it is. Any of it. I'm glad that you brought that up because if someone's in the middle of something completely tragic, horrific, whatever, right now, the expression of all the emotions is yes. important. Whatever it is yeah, that comes out. Yeah. Is, I just want to circle back to what you said at the very first part of that when you're responding to my question, and that is make sure that in your expression and you're saying all the things that you also ask anything, ask the question, right? Any question, but especially ask how he feels about you. Right. Ask him. Well, are you there? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you love me? Am I doing what you want? And I, I promise that it might not come immediately, but you will feel comfort. He is waiting to hear from us. He mm-hmm. loves it. Think about how you love your children, who the most important people are in your life. He loves us infinitely. And we talked about worth the other day in class and how, what is worth. And it's, you know, essentially what someone's willing to pay. And we think about our Savior, Jesus Christ, and he infinitely paid for each of us. That's what we're worth. We're worth all of that. And of course he's waiting to hear from you. And if you completely don't believe in God at all, you can still try and talk to him. Just what do you have to lose? That's a good question. What do you have to lose? Nothing. Literally nothing. Right. Like what would be the downside to you talking to God? Right. 
And it doesn't magically fix everything. It just helps you feel some peace and some comfort. And hope, I think, is a huge one. Like, we all need hope. And I think there's a lot of people right now who feel hopeless. Mm -hmm. And that is why I try to talk about Jesus all the time. (laughs) And you do. (laughs) And you do, and I love it. And, And we don't just need hope. We need perspective. Mm -hmm. I think they go hand in hand, but I feel like that has been really so much of what you have shared with us today is the perspective that you've gained. And that's only one piece of your story. Of course, there's so much, there's so many, (laughs) all in favor of Wendy being on every week, (laughs) all in favor and it's unanimous, but that is that perspective is exactly what has helped to shape you. It's helped to establish the the person that you are, and it has brought you hope. That's where. And I am probably one of the happiest people you will ever know. Right. Mm -hmm. I am so happy. We're so blessed. Mm -hmm. Every day I'm like, dude, I'm so lucky that I get to know this because Mm -hmm. it helps with every aspect of my life. Mm -hmm. Well, and what you guys need to understand, uh, as Wendy says that, is the only losing her mom and sister and going through what she just shared with us mm-hmm. isn't the only tragedy that she's experienced. No. I mean, go back to episode, what is it? Three, you said? Seven. 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 <laughs> episode seven uh-huh. of Wendy's adoption story. You'll hear about another time in her life that was profound and challenging mm-hmm. and amazing all at the same time. And there's been even, there's even there, more. Wendy could more. do several more episodes. Lots of stories. Wendy, how do you think that having this experience as a child has changed how you are as a mother? I always think about how my mom must have loved me. Mm. And I I want my children to know how much I love them. And that doesn't mean that I'm their best friend and I let them do whatever they want. I'm not the cool mom all the time. Just some of the time. <laughs> just some of the time. <laughs> right. I just think I'm cool. But no, I I love them in a way that it doesn't matter what what it is, I don't care. Mm. I love you no matter what. You cannot do anything that's going to make me not love you. And you've expressed that to them. Yes. They don't just feel yeah, it. Yeah, they know yes. that. They know it. I think my kids even know it, mm-hmm. too, from Auntie Wendy over there. Oh, mm. I, I will tell everybody. I, that, I just want them to know that there is no reason you can't go to your father because he loves you that way. Mm-hmm. He loves you better than your mommy. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I think that I, it's affected every aspect of my life. Um, when I've had to go, th- I've, I've sat with a friend as she died from cancer and passed away and had children that she was leaving behind. I was able to share my light with her. She didn't believe the way that I believed, but in the end I brought, I was able to bring what I have learned to her. And that feels so, it feels so amazing. It feels like exactly why I'm here mm-hmm. is, and I think that's for all of us. I think everybody has a story. Everybody has tragic things in their life and and when you weather those things, then you can be helpful to someone else. Totally. Well, and we so. all have a healthy perspective of some things. Not everybody has a fully, you know, robust, healthy perspective on all the things all the time, right? Right. But, right. but we each have our own unique experiences that have, like you said, we've weathered different storms. And I think one of the things that we have um, been reminded of time and time again, especially through the podcast work and having so many people come through here and share the pieces of their story, is the value of opening your mouth, the value of sharing what you have weathered and how you did navigate your way through it and what your perspective is that has helped you Mm -hmm. because someone else needs that. It's Mm -hmm. a part of their survival guide, right? When we are willing enough to share. And what's amazing is God puts you together. Yep. He puts you. This is another thing I always try to teach. Look around you. Mm-hmm. You're around whoever you are around because they need you for some reason or you need them. But usually he, both. He's right. pretty dang. He knows it all and he loves us infinitely. And there's a reason why why we're around the ones that we're around and uh, we're supposed to like take care of them. It's That's our right. job. I really believe yeah. that we're here to take care of each other. Yeah. And I think that is a miracle of God. That is the miracle of like something bigger than us because all these things that happen, we have no control over. Most of the time we have no control over the tragedy. We have no control over world events. There's so much we don't have control over that the one thing we can trust is no matter what comes our way, which for heaven's sakes, we all know like 
buckle up because who knows who knows what's going to come your way like we I wasn't expecting cancer you weren't expecting you know to lose your mom and your sister like Becky wasn't expecting to lose her brother like all the there's so much that can happen that there's one thing you can be sure of that is the miracle of God is that a you are never alone you're Mm -hmm. never alone in your suffering and b he can take the mess of the world and create meaning inside of it so that it will become not just an impactful, but a meaningful, um, a meaningful experience. And I think you've done a beautiful job of that, Wendy, like really openly sharing your story and what, what that situation has meant to you and how it's helped you to become the best version of yourself. Well, and it helped me see all the things that I have to be grateful for. I think when we go through hard things, it's, it's like the in the darkness, the things that shine the brightest are have nothing to do with materialism totally. or our status. Yep. It, it has to do with those gifts that God has given you. And he has given me so much compensation for what I lost in 1979. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I have amazing people in my life, way too many to name, but I just have always been blessed with amazing people who love me. And you guys, you see, as Wendy speaks about that, that joy that she feels even through deep loss, that joy and that happiness is through your sense of gratitude, Mm -hmm. obviously your knowledge of a loving heavenly father Mm -hmm. and also gratitude, meaning you're acknowledging, you're acknowledging and even expressing, which is the very best form of gratitude is the expression of gratitude. You recognize it Mm -hmm. and you thank him every day. And that's how you're happy. She's laughing because she's like, oh, I, you better believe I, I pray. Him. I pray all the time. I know. I, <laughs> if you see me talking in my car, I'm not singing. I'm a big car prayer myself. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. I I'm in the you. car by myself. I'm like I used hiking to... by myself. All the th- Anytime I'm by myself, I can just, I have that ongoing dialogue because, because he's, he's, it's like you said, he's my dad. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. my father. Like, of course I can well, talk to every him. good thing that we have is from him. Right. Mm-hmm. Literally. Mm-hmm. And my, I remember making fun of my mom, Roxanne, because she would thank him sporadically during the day mm-hmm. out loud. And I'm like, Oh, I love Roxanne. He does not care about that. <laughs> You're so dumb. Like I like, I remember yeah. thinking that as a teenager mm-hmm. and I am her. You are that mm-hmm. <laughs> times 10. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love like, that. Oh, that sip of water was so good. Thank you so much for that beautiful <laughs> oh, sip of water. Thank and you. In your case, it would be crunching on sauna, guys. Ooh, <laughs> yes. And a bonus would be to make it make me skinny. <laughs> just a suggestion. I think you should just ask Heavenly Father. See what he says. I have. It does. That doesn't work. Wendy, <laughs> any parting thoughts as we round out today's conversation, knowing fully well that we're going to have you back again for more stories. But um, any thoughts that you want to share with our with our listeners who have tuned in, who have already been feeling something, how would you encourage them to take action on what they might be feeling? Act on your feelings. If you, I mean, it's been said so many times, if you have a kind thought, don't suppress it, you know, go with it. Mm -hmm. I think you need to trust that the feelings that you have, especially when they're good, that those are promptings and they're, it's trying to urge you to do something and just act as you act, you become more happy. Well, and like you were saying before, people are placed in your path because you need them and they need you. And sometimes that comes in the form of like, hey, maybe go bring a cookie to that person or, you know, invite this person to something that seems so off the wall to you. But that, my friends, that is God working his magic. And the best part is is if we're open to it, it can be through us, which causes the most profound, deep feelings Mm -hmm. of true contentment and true happiness. Mm -hmm. And the last thing I would say is if I'm really, I'm really a good listener and I'm even better talker, (laughs) but if you feel inclined, I would be happy to talk to you. If you have questions, I'm Hindi. Wow. Hendy. That's it. She laughs every time. Hendy, I love it. wow. H-E-N-D-Y-W-O-W. On Instagram. Yeah. We'll put it in the show notes, of course, which are right there with the um, episode in the podcast app. But um, yeah, find Hendy Wow on Instagram. 
She is the best in her stories. You'll want to watch her stories. If you love this piece of what she's sharing, her heart, and you can tell like through and through how much she loves the Lord, mm-hmm. you're going to get that when you, when you follow. I love your story so much because it's just, it's short and it's sweet and it's so filled with light and love. And it's such a huge part of who Wendy is. And there's no cussing. And there's no cussing, which she really has to hold back. I do. (laughs) I'm so proud of her. It's clean. Well, Wendy, thank you so much for sharing always and forever. But like, this is, this is something that it's a, it's a message that the world needs a reminder of. I'm so glad. Thank you for the opportunity, Becky's. I'm so glad this is now a permanent part of like the legacy of the podcast is this precious story. Because truly there is nothing more important in this world than hope. Like right. we all need hope. And I don't know if anyone else is collectively feeling that, but I oh, sure I as heck do. am. I think we need a little more hope and a little more love. A little more hope. Little more you know what I love? love. <laughs> She's super hot. <laughs> that girl. Our next little guest came in because we're recording another mm-hmm. and she is very attractive. I think it's worth noting. Stay tuned. I haven't seen her in a while and it's good. She's very attractive. <laughs> I love how distracted you are. <laughs> well, friends, thank you for carving out the time to listen and for joining us in this continued conversation about cultivating a good life. Nothing that we have said is more important than the specific things you have felt that are personal for you. We invite you to write down those promptings and most importantly, as we've said, act on them. We love you so much. We're cheering you on and we look forward to being with you next week. Bye-bye. See you later. Bye guys. (laughs) Bye-bye. you're recording you can't like slip yeah. it by me anymore i'll sing it with you <laughs> wendy come on Good that one. is um oh ferris bueller's day off yeah except it's not it was a song used on the movie yeah but that's how i identify i know we all identify with that song being on ferris bueller's day off which by the way i am introducing our kids to but isn't it naughty it's got some parts Dang. so that's like the 80s movie Every, quandary is we, we Goonies, like show them something and ferris then we're like Bueller's, oh right pg meant full frontal 16 breast. candles like, no they're all long duck dong is in that i mean his name alone <laughs> and i think that was a, a pg movie anything pg in the 80s is equals to r right now <laughs> no i we showed our kids weird. We showed our kids back. When I say we, I mean I was out of town and Taylor showed the kids back to the future. <laughs> Which you would think would be so You think it's benign. And then you yes. watch it as an adult and you're like, why? Why would my parents ever let me watch this? I'm trying to remember. Well, in Greece. Pretty sure there's oh my a gosh. naked breast in Back to the Future. Well, Greece, the whole thing is like the most incredible movie with the worst message. Oh, it really is. It's and so there's funny. No, there's yeah. nothing better than your kids learning new musical songs and singing them around the dinner table like Grease Lightning. lightning. And I know. hearing those filthy words come out of your eight-year-old's mouth. Truth. <laughs>